This is episode 143 of the Two Ball Brothers and a Microphone podcast, where we talk about the people, process, and technology to work together better inside of enterprises. This episode was, was recorded on November 16th, 2017. In this episode, I talk with Tommy about the book that I'm reading called The Four Disciplines of Execution by Chris McChesney, Sean Covey, and Jim Hewling. In this episode, we discuss section number one of the book. Enjoy this episode, and thanks for listening. Welcome to the Two Ball Brothers and a Microphone podcast. This is your host, Danny Ryan. I'm here with my co-host, Tommy Ryan. How are you? Doing well. Recovering from the wedding. Well done. Yes. It was a wonderful wedding. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. It's a once in a lifetime thing for me. (laughs) Fortunately, from a wallet standpoint. Yes. Oh my goodness, how much did this cost? <laughs> you don't want to know. I just found out today. It's like, uh, whoa. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. The yeah. Irish band was just wonderful. We, I mean, my, my whole family had a wonderful time. So Good. It was, it was well done. The food was excellent. The venue, the church service was wonderful. So, yeah. so let's pick back up. We were talking about uh, the four disciplines of execution, um, the book from Franklin Covey. And last time we had gotten through the forward, the forward, and uh, now we're going to hit on uh, the first section of the book. And um, so we're going to go through that. And section one is covering what the four disciplines of execution are. Um, the first discipline um, is focus in on the wildly important. The first discipline is to focus your finest effort on one or two goals that will make all the difference instead of giving mediocre effort to a dozen of goals. And there's a nice little um, uh, graphic that they show where they have the number of goals and it's like two to three and then four to 10 and then 11 to 20 and then the number of goals achieved with excellence and the the higher number that you go up, uh, the fewer achieved with excellence. Basically, Mm -hmm. you're you're splitting your time ac- across multiple things. And uh, this comes back to what they were talking about with regards to um, the whirlwind, the day job, the things that you just need to get done that show up on a day-to-day basis. I know and that whirlwind. You know the whirlwind. Are you familiar with, <laughs> yes. with the whirlwind? <laughs> I live that whirlwind. Um, so it, they say, simply put, discipline one is about applying more energy against um, fewer goals because when it comes to setting goals the law of diminishing return is as real as the law of gravity the fundamental principle at work in discipline one is that human beings are genetically hardwired to do things uh, one at a time with excellence Um, they bring up apple here Uh, steve jobs of apple had a big company to run so he could have proudly uh, brought many more products to the market than he did uh, but he chose to focus in on a handful of wildly important products. Um, improving our ability to multitask actually hampers our ability to, de- de- to think deeply and creative, creatively. Creative, creatively. Creatively, yeah. Um, the more you multitask, the less deliberate you become, the less you're able to think and reason out a problem. Um, 
and then we're talking we're going to talk about uh creating what they're calling wit uh, wigs wildly important goals we could wear wigs <laughs> that's it's appropriate that we cover wigs and the two ball brothers and a microphone podcast um so these these wigs are the goals that you must achieve with total excellence beyond uh circling pri- your, the circling priorities of your day-to-day um and then they go through like a conventional uh, thinking, which is all of our goals are priority one. They can, they can, um, you can successfully multitask and exceed at five, 10 or 15 important goals. All we need to do is work harder and longer. That's conventional thinking. Uh, the 4DX principle is many of our goals are important, but only one or two are wildly important. We call them wigs. They are goals we must achieve. Our finest effort can only be given to one or two wildly important goals at a time. What's your initial reaction to this of focusing in on only one or two goals at a time? Well, and and I don't know if this is a wig or not, but the utilization that we have has been, the, the goal that we set there really influences some of the other kind of decisions that are made. So if you're honed in on that, um, and you're focused in on that goal, then you can support that with the actions that you have that lead into the results of you know what ne- needs to be done to get to that goal. Mm-hmm. So the nice thing about having you know fewer goals is the more goals you have, I think not only are you spread thin trying to achieve all these goals, but also they end up conflicting with each other, I would imagine, you know, at, at times where, well, either you're going to achieve this or achieve that. Um, and one might take away from the other. Um, so it's, you know, trying to determine what's a healthy wig that, you know, helps the organization thrive, um, and preserves the, the culture that you want to have. Um, and that, you know, sometimes I see that you have to have this, wildly important goal and you have to put it in the context of the dna of your organization so you're not doing it just for the sake of the goal but you're doing it in a way that allows the company to flourish um within a a certain type of culture so i'm trying to think of a good way to kind of articulate what i'm thinking is you know if you have this utilization goal and you had no culture, you could, you know, just focus in on that and not worry about the quality of the work you do, how you interact with others, and how you reach that goal. And then you can end up, um, you know, kind of petering out or burning out because all you're doing is trying to achieve this goal and there's nothing that gives you a sense of um, value and accomplishment um, because it's just for that one goal and, um, you know, and, and things that you say, you don't want to be myopic and just, you know, focus in on one thing and kind of throw everything else out in the process of that one thing. But I could be, you know, misreading what a wig would be, but that's the first one that comes to mind um, for a consulting organization yeah and that's good because i think this is you know part of the reason why we're doing this towards the end of the year and and as a part of our planning process is is starting to think about what are what are our wigs um uh, organizationally wise and department wise so Mm -hmm. 
Uh, 4DX may even mean saying no to some great ideas, at least for now. Nothing is more counterintuitive for a leader than saying no to a good idea. And nothing is a bigger destroyer of focus than always saying yes. Um, and then they have a plaque that they said that should be in all leaders' office, which is there will always be more good ideas than there is capability, capacity to execute. Then they go back to Apple. Before Apple was named a company of the decade in the United States by multiple uh, sources, then COO T Tim Cook, Timmy Cook, now CEO, said this uh, to the company's shareholders. We are the most focused company that I know or have read of or have any knowledge of. We say no to good ideas every day. We say no to great ideas in order to keep the amount of things we focus in on very small in number so that we can put enormous energy behind the ones we do choose. The table, of, uh, the table each of you is sitting at today, you could probably put every product on it that Apple makes, yet Apple's revenue last year was 40 billion. Apple's determination to say no to good ideas has had a devastating consequences for their competitors. Once we worked with a manufacturer that competed directly with Apple's iPhone, when we met with the leader responsible for creating the new interface to compete with the iPhone, how would you like that assignment? He was more than a little discouraged. It's not really fair, he said, shaking his head. Be uh, between our domestic and international operations, we make over 40 different phones. They only make one. <laughs> As Stephen Covey says, you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage, pleasantly, smilingly, un unapologetically, to say no to other things. And that way you have a bigger yes burning inside. Um, so getting more into that, I'll skip ahead. So here's the question that's, that is asked that you need to ask yourself about a wildly important goal. If every other area of our operation remained at its current level of performance, what is the one area where change would have the greatest impact? Um, so next up, we're going to talk about um, the rules that they have to focus the organization. The first rule is no team focuses in on more than two wigs at the same time. Um, and this is uh, um, overall you're looking at there is that they have this um, sort of like what looks like an organizational chart where the company is at war and um, each of the departments are fighting their own battles <laughs> with their own wigs. Um, the battles you choose must win the war, whether it's a military conflict or war on hunger. There's a relationship between battles and wars. The only reason you fight a battle is to win the war. The sole purpose of wigs at lower levels in the organization is to help achieve the wig at the higher level. It isn't enough that lower level wigs support or align with higher level wigs. The lower level wigs must ensure the success of the higher wigs. So you're seeing sort of, you have one as an or, one or two as an organ, organization, and then we might, for us, if we apply this to us, there may be a, a, a one or two wigs for delivery, one or two wigs for uh, finance one or two weeks and they all support the one that's the whole organization so it's what what is your part of this um, senior leaders can veto but not 
dictate the highest level highest levels of ex execution are never reached when the strategy is devised slowly by uh, solely by the top leaders of the organization and simply handed down to the leaders and the teams below so they're talking about working with this um, as a team of coming up with what is your wig rule number four all wigs must have a finish line in the form of and this is like smart goals um, from X to Y by when so the wig itself has to say I'm going from X to Y by when so this gets us out of the you know revenue focus wig they mentioned is increase the percent of annual revenue from new products from 15% to 21% by December 31st so it gets us out of the sort of the whole uh, you know improve this or influence this or you know retain the best employees those types of goals cuz they're you can't measure them they don't they're not time bound so the next part I really like, which is when they're, he's talking about um, NASA in 1958, um, you know, it had what their goals were that year. And there were eight goals and they sort of get, there's a table which shows all of them. And, you know, you read through the eight goals and you can see here, I'll share here with the book, sort of a, you know, the, the goals, you know, start with the expansion of human knowledge of phenomena at, in the atmosphere and space. The improvement of the usefulness perform you know all these things that are noble goals that they have and eight of them uh in 1958 and then president kennedy comes along and says i believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to earth basically <laughs> saying okay this is this, this is our one smart goal, goal. Mm -hmm. yeah and this mm -hmm. is our that's the wig that's what we're mm -hmm. what we need to do and it's sort of like you know how you get to these other ones in night from 1958 is is a you know first off there's too many of them and secondly they're not they're not set up the right way mm -hmm. so then um they have it breaking out at org organizationally where you can see the war is man on the moon the battles are navigation propulsion life support um so thinking through these when a team moves from having a dozen we really hope goals to one or two no matter what goals, the effect on morale is dramatic. So you're, you're having to be very specific with people with what the goal is. As, G, as Steve Jobs often said, I'm proud of what we do, of what we don't do as much as what we do. Um, so you're trying each one of these goals, you're going from vague strategic intent to specific finish lines for everyone. So that's the first discipline. The second discipline is act on lead measures. And we got we started talking about this um, last time as well. Lead measures are the measures of the activities most connected to achieving the goal. So you have to figure out or think through or discuss and find out what are the things that if we do this, it leads towards achieving that goal. While a lag measure tells you if you've achieved the goal, a lead measure tells you if you are likely to achieve the goal. Again, likely, this is the whole, the whole problem that everyone has, especially, you know, marketing has it, everyone has it, which is attribution, which is saying what led to this, what made this change, what, what was, what, what, how can we attribute this change? And this is where the, the, the thought needs to be applied to saying, what is it that we would do that would lead to a change in a lag measure? While a lag measure is hard to do anything about, a lead measure is vir virtually within your control. For example, while you can't control how often your car breaks down on the road, a lag measure, 
You can certainly control how often your car receives routine maintenance, a lead measure. And the more you act on the lead measure, the more likely you are to avoid that roadside breakdown. Once you have defined your wildly important goal, it would seem natural, if even intuitive, to then create a detailed plan listing all of the specific tasks and subtasks required for achieving the goal in the coming months. But with discipline two, that's not what you're going to do. So with conventional thinking, it's keep your, uh, uh, keep your eye on the lag measures, the quarterly results, the sales numbers, pounds lost, stress out, bite your nails while you wait. The 4DX principle is focus on moving the lead measures. These are the, highly, are the high leverage actions uh, you take to get the lag measures to move. So the formula from X to Y by when in a wig gives us the lag measure, but the wigs are not, uh, but the wigs are not the only lag measures in your world. Um, so a lag measure measures the goal. A lead measure is predictive. It measures something that uh, leads to the goal. It's influenceable. It's something we can do. It's you can influence something that has yeah, to lead measure. Yeah, it's not be, the result. It's, it's not the result. Mm. It's something you're doing. So the team, you know, this this way you're getting into more of what can we do versus um, you know the measuring something and just saying what how, what was what happened. Um, you would likely choose, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, so they're talking here about losing weight, right? What do you do to lose weight? Um, I mean, when you're weighing yourself on the, uh, the scale, it's, you know, that, that's a lag measure. Um, you know, what can you do? What were lead measures? You know, both diet and exercise would be the thing to focus in on. These two measures fulfill the first characteristics of being predictive. Reducing calories consumed and, and increasing calories burned strongly indicates that you'll lose weight. Just as important, however, these two lead measures are, all, already, are also directly influ, influenceable by you. Achieve these two lead measures at this level specified outside your daily whirlwind and you will see your lag measure moving when you step onto the bathroom scale. Um, there's a problem with lead measures. Where do, where do leaders normally fixate on lead measures or lag measures? That's right. As a leader, you've spent your entire career focusing in on lag measures, even though you can't directly affect them. You're not alone. Think about the last meeting you had with other leaders in your organization. What were you discussing, analyzing, planning, and agonizing about? Lag measures and usually your inability to move them. We see this syndrome every day all over the world in every area of life. A sales leader fixates on total sales. A service leader fix on, fixates on customer satisfaction. Parents fixate on their children's grades. Diet, dieters fixate on the scale. And in virtually every case, fixating solely on the lag measures fail to drive results. There's a huge difference between merely, merely understanding the importance of diet and exercise and measuring how many calories you've eaten and how many you've burned. Everyone knows that you should diet and exercise, but people who actually measure the, how many calories they've eaten and how many they burned each day are the ones actually using weight. This brings me, this reminds me that, you know, the, probably the one thing for losing weight for me to, to shed a couple pounds is to use the MyFitnessPal app, which is... You measure all the calories in, you're measuring your exercise, what are you getting from the exercise, and it just, it's a, it is definitely a, you know, a way for you to, to, to input and impact the lead measures. 
Deming, uh, w, uh, Edwards Deming, a management and quality guru, said it best when he told executives that managing a company by looking at financial data, lag measures, is the equivalent of driving a car by looking in the rear view mirror. Um, now imagine instead that you are tracking the most two predictive lead measures of customer satisfaction. And for the past three weeks, your team performed well above the standard of those measures. Do you think your experience will change uh, when the new customer satisfaction results arrive? Absolutely. That will be like stepping on the scale, knowing you have met your diet and exercise measures every day. You already know that the lag measure will, ch uh, will change. Uh, let me skip through here. So this is, um, there's a nice little graphic here on the um, showing a rock is the lag measure. Um, the lead measure is like a lever, lever that's influenceable. <clears throat> so they're like 80-20 activities. What 20% of what you do has more, uh, has much more or more leverage on the wig than 80% of what you do. The mass of the activity will also be, will always be pointless. Poorly conceived, badly directed, wastefully executed, and largely besides the point. A small, small portion of activity will always lead, be terrifically effective. It is probably not what you think. Uh, it is opaque and buried within the basket of less effective activity. So this is, um, so this, and then they actually go through a, um, uh, a, an example here, and then we'll skip on, go on to the next one. Um, of where they were at uh, Phipps Plaza Mall in Atlanta, which we're right. both aware of. Um, there's a high-end store that was in there, and they were under heavy pressure from new competitors, discounts, as well as uh, two major national chain stores that had moved to the area. Revenues were down by 8% in the area. Uh, what to do to stop the um, bleeding. The store manager announced only one wig for the year, which was to match revenue numbers from the year before through increasing at average tra transaction rates, the amount purchased in any given transaction. Um, so basically they're saying this is what we <laughs> want to do. And then um, to cut to the chase, he then told us about our, uh, his best salesperson, a woman who sold three times more shoes than average. We asked, what does she do differently? The manager knew immediately what she did differently. She would get lost in the customer's world, notice that they were wearing what, what they were wearing, ask about their families and understand their needs. When she would bring out six she would then she would bring out six pairs of shoes instead of one pair to show the customer. She would say, Oh, it's spring. How about this open toad pair? I toad pair. Um, I noticed your Gucci bag would go really well with those sandals. You like red <laughs> shoes? How about these? So then they ended up coming up with the three things that the salespeople needed to do consistently, which was show at least four pairs of shoes to every customer, write thank you notes, invite every customer mm -hmm. to set up a charge account. So these were the things that they, you know, basically the, they started That's tracking really that this, mm -hmm. every team member started tracking. And so they, um, uh, none of the, yeah, no, none of the lead measures were news to them. Suggestive selling is just retail 101. They didn't know if their team members were actually do it, doing it. The key is to isolate and consistently track the right levers. Right. 
Ooh, I'm a, I am. Let me see how far away I'm from. Yes, we'll break this into two parts. All right. Good. Is that okay? You need to run <laughs> off to a meeting. Yes. So I will pick. I've got a big star on the page that I'm at right now, and we'll pick back up. Going to go work on up. a lead measure. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well done, Tommy. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Have a wonderful day. Bye bye. Bye bye.